This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, we noticed that the new Golda movie has been mm. released in Israel. And um, I just wanted to make a few comments about it. First of all, the timing is interesting because a lot of the movie um, surrounds uh, Golda Meir's handling of the Yom Kippur War which was in 1973, and it happens to be the commemoration of 50 years since the Yom Kippur War in a few weeks' time from now. Um, and so the timing is very interesting in terms of the release of the movie. We understand, and I haven't seen the movie yet, but I certainly plan to do so, um, Helen Mirren apparently is masterful in this movie. Some people are saying that she really deserves an Oscar and that she will be nominated Amazing. for an Oscar. Amazing. She had to be de-glamorized. She had to be de-glamorized to play Golden Meir. Um, and um, the, the conversations that go down around uh, the Yom Kippur War are very fascinating. I just want to steal one quote from back at that time, which apparently does appear in the movie. Um, and that was during a conversation between uh, then Prime Minister Golden Meir and the American Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger. And Kissinger is reputed to have said, Golda, you need to remember that I am first an American, that I am second Secretary of State, and that I am third a Jew. Mm -hmm. And Golda Meir is reported to have replied back, Henry, you need to remember that in Israel we read from right to left. <laughs> Brilliant. I actually forgot about that uh, that quote. Absolutely amazing. I'm interested uh, to see Israel's reaction to it and what people in Israel actually, how they respond to the movie. It's, uh, it's going to be really a fascinating insight into, uh, into Israel's perception of itself, I'd imagine. True. Very true. And, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's noticeable how things have moved on from then and, of course, against the background of, of what's happening in Israel on the streets these days, how people will respond to the politics of the day back then when uh, intelligence was nowhere near what it is now. And, of course, some poor decisions were taken and some quite good decisions were taken in the absence of any good information. Um, a lot of guesswork being done. Um, Yom Kippur, the Yom Kippur War, of course, was probably Israel's closest moment to destruction over the period of Israel's lifetime. That was really the moment of truth when um, somehow um, Israel was pulled out of the fire um, and some amazing, amazing stories of bravery um, emerged from the Yom Kippur War and people who literally saved the future of the state of Israel. It was um, uh, one of those events that will go down in history um, for good and for bad reasons, mm. um, but amazing, amazing bravery that came out of that war. Um, who, a few people ultimately really said the future of the country.
Unbelievable. Really, really great. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Violence continues in a spiral in Israel's Arab communities. What action is being taken to address this? Well, at the moment, the current government really is not setting out anything formal as to um, what can be done to address the, la- the, the, the ongoing violence. And, you know, the latest story is that four people were killed in a mass shooting in the northern town of Abu Snan um, in uh, northern Israel, an Arab town in northern Israel. Um, and uh, alongside that, um, there was a, a person who was killed in the Arab town of Tira, which is in central Israel. All in all, up until now, just during tw- 2023, 160 people have been killed in Arab violence across Israel. That is just an incredible number. Mm. And you, let's contrast it to the number of Israelis who have been killed in terror incidents this year, 35. That's that's a big number for us. And yet we look at that as against 160 people being killed in, in violence. And the latest um, victims, the latest targets of this violence seem to be municipal officials, people who are either serving in um, municipal roles within the Arab towns or villages. And in fact, in one case, um, a person who was a candidate in, in the Abu Sinan murder where the four people were killed, one of the people who was killed had put himself forward as a candidate to be mayor of Abu Sinan during the upcoming election, which is due to take place at, at the end of October. So it seems as if though somehow um, there is a target towards municipal officials um, and this is um, all crime driven. It's all related to crime, uh, criminal families, uh, assertion of authority, mm-hmm. of control over um, economic uh, areas within various towns. But the fact that 160 people have been killed means that this is almost like a pandemic in Israel now. And um, even though the uh, previous government, particularly under um, uh, Naftali Bennett, but also Yair yeah, to some degree, they had um, put a lot of time and resources aside to try to deal with it. Whatever they were planning to do either never happened or has been completely ineffective. And there isn't much being said by the current government uh, to to deal with this. I mean, there were a few statements made um by the Prime Minister where he said that a red line was crossed and that uh, now apparently the Shin Bet Internal Security Agency has become involved to try and uh, see what they can, they, they can work out. So they are probing this quadruple murder that happened in Abu Sinan. But I think that there is a lot more that needs to be done than just simply probing after the fact into who was responsible and why. It seems to me that we need a little bit more policing on the streets in the Arab towns and villages, that we need a little bit of education in order to prevent this from happening. But this is clearly getting completely out of control and somehow um, the Israeli police need to be able to assert their control. Um, There are apparently Arab gangs, terror organizations, apparently walking around with huge budgets budgets and hundreds of thousands of weapons at their disposal, mm. including bullets and explosive charges and grenade launchers. And these are people who are carrying out these actions in a criminal way. This is not being uh, politically motivated. This is not um, uh, ideological. This is simply criminal. And um, somehow the police need to get uh, their hands around this. 
because uh, this really threatens to spiral completely out of control if it hasn't already, because I think 160 people in the space of eight months is uh, almost out of control. Crazy. Really, really just crazy. This is an amazing story. The mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, has concluded his three-day visit to Israel. What was the purpose of this visit? So um, Eric Adams um, is uh, visiting Israel, has visited Israel for the first time since he was elected to be mayor of New York City. Um, he had apparently visited Israel twice before, so this overall would be the third time that he's visiting Israel. And the the idea was for him really to um, draw some uh, some links, some uh, connections between New York City and Israel. Um, and um, it's interesting because obviously we're all aware of the fact that um, there are many many Jews living in New York City, and so therefore his electorate. Um, has a number of Jews, uh, quite a high proportion of Jews within the city. Of course, um, he was elected, so he's already uh, succeeded somehow in attracting some of their vote. But one wonders mm. to what extent he's looking to the next election, which is due to take place um, another two years from now, as to whether he's trying to maybe uh, already begin a campaign to um, convince the views of the Jews of New York City to mm, continue mm. to support him. Um, but he's he's had an interesting visit. He met not only with the Prime Minister, but he also met with leaders of the um, the campaign against the judicial reform, the protest leaders. He met with members of the business community. He's toured up and down Israel. He was at Yad Vashem, uh, where he commented on the global fight against anti-Semitism. Um, and um, he's made some very, very interesting statements along the way. Mm. And I think he's done quite a good job um, of being very, very diplomatic and treading um, a very middle ground um, without being drawn in to make comments about particular issues. When he was asked about what he thought about the judicial reform, he answered as follows. I listened. Mm -hmm. I didn't weigh in. I think the people of Israel will determine their destiny. It was important to me to meet with people from both sides and hear but I did not give my opinion one way or another. Then he went on to say, I have many challenges in my city, and I wouldn't want someone to come in and interfere with how they work them out, uh, with how they work them out. So he is obviously um, very conscious of the fact that as mayor of New York City, um, when you start to throw stones, then suddenly you understand that you're living in a glass house and that you could potentially attract uh, people attacking you in return. And in fact, George Santos has already laid into him saying that um, Mayor Adams's trip to Israel is nothing more than Adams running away from his responsibility to handle New York City's newfound migrant crisis, right. which apparently is mm -hmm. the latest thing that is, um, uh, that is, that is, that they're having to deal with in New York City. But I think it's interesting that he's come to Israel, that he's drawn the, the, the link, the communication line. He's, uh, he's really um, connected things between New York City and Israel. He's had the opportunity to meet with the prime minister and to meet with various other government dignitaries, members of the business community. He um, gave a speech yesterday, which was his final event at what they called the White City Soiree, which was uh, an event that took place in Tel Aviv last night. Uh, involving people uh, from the business community in Israel, and, he, and, and Mayor Adams was given the opportunity to, um, to to address that group. 
Um, and again, he, he made some very, very interesting comments. Overall, I think he's had a good um, trip to Israel. Mm. There's some photo mm. opportunities of him from uh, the Machane Yehuda Shuk in Jerusalem, having a drink with some people from around the Shuk. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's had the opportunity to have his say with members of the business community and, of course, uh, with, with uh, government officials. And he has created these economic ties between Israel um, Tel Aviv in particular yeah. and New York City. Um, and what he thinks is that Israel's um, success comes from the hardship that um, we originally experienced as Jews and as Israelis. Hard is starting this country being surrounded by people who hated you. Hard is figuring out how to do drip irrigation so you can start growing your own products. Hard is building and being not only a startup nation, but now leading a number of startups. So talking about, um, of course, the technological development. So overall, I think it's been a successful trip for him. I think he's created a lot of friendships and good links. Um, and it will be interesting to see now what he does with that when he returns back to New York City. Yeah. And what was interesting was, uh, I don't know if you saw this post from Emma uh, Fitzsimons uh, from the New York uh, the New York Times, which I thought was, was absolutely incredible. She takes a photo of herself at the Western Wall um, on the women's side of the, of, of the divide, standing up and taking a photo uh, of the mayor. And she says, when you're west, uh, at the Western Wall in Jerusalem as a female journalist and you have to climb on a bench to look over the fence to see the mayor. And, uh, and of course, people react terribly to that, as they should, because how dare she come into a, a Jewish religious uh, environment and, and criticize the, and, and to criticize the fact that it's segregated. She certainly wouldn't do that. If it was a mosque, she would respect, uh, certainly if she went to other places of worship. And, and yet she, she decided to attack uh, the, the gender type issue uh, at the Western Wall, which, which I thought was uh, perhaps indicative. Uh, she's the bureau chief for the New York Times, but uh, I thought that is quite indicative of the New York uh, of the New York Times. Uh, did you see that story, Anthony? I did not see the story, but I absolutely agree with you that when people come to the Western Wall, you can't uh, judge that by standards that you would expect on the underground in London or the Metro in New York City or um, going to a theatre or something like that. The, the, the rules of engagement are entirely different when you come onto uh, uh, an area which is clearly uh, a religiously demarcated area, then one would expect you to respect the rules um, that go with that area just the same as you would not go into a mosque with your shoes on, just the mm, same as 100%. you would not dress inappropriately to go into a church or um, to go into another holy site. Um, so it is, I think, the same at the Western Wall. So yeah. I'm completely with you it, on that. It, it was, in fact, uh, so so embarrassing, I think, to to her in the New York and the New York Times, just because uh, it really did show an incredible amount of ignorance. Finally, Malkalifa was sentenced earlier today in Australia to 15 years in prison, and of course, Israel played an important part of the story, not a particularly good. Part um, in in the story, having almost sheltered her for a number of years. Right. So, just a, a reminder of the story: Malka Leifer was uh, the principal of an Orthodox a girls' school in Australia for many, many years. Um, she was accused of sexually abusing um, some of the students at that school. Um, the time uh, that it took to bring her to trial was mostly down to the fact that 
she took shelter in Israel and that there was mm-hmm. a long and arduous process to have her extradited. She claimed that she wasn't fit for trial. She wasn't mentally fit to stand trial. Ultimately, it took about 16 years from the time that the accusations were first made public until the time that she was finally brought to justice. But it seems as if though justice was served in Australia this morning, she was found guilty of um, uh, of 18 charges of sexual abuse, all in all, um, and which included indecent assault and sexual penetration of a child, and uh, including rape as well. Um, she has continuously remained uh, maintained her innocence. The Australian courts uh, ultimately uh, did not believe her claims of innocence, and she's now been sentenced to 15 years in prison in Australia. Um, the Australians decided that. Eleven and a half years of those 15 were set aside as a non-parole period. So effectively, that a period that she would have to serve. But that has been also reduced by the number of years that she has already served in prison. So ultimately, it seems as though she will be eligible for, for parole in about six years from now. Um, and there are people who are saying, um, is that really enough for someone who has taken advantage of not only uh, young members of society, innocent members of our society, but more than that, children who were actually pupils at her school where there was this authority mm. um, uh, relationship as well. So it seems like she's really abused that. Um, perhaps this will now bring the whole case to, to a close. It's been a long and unpleasant case. Um, the outcome, um, not particularly pleasant either, but I suppose that at least justice is seen to have been served. And the accusations made by these young girls who were very, very nervous, formerly pupils of hers, um, very nervous about making these claims, they have been vindicated ultimately. Um, and hopefully we can set this, uh, to put this uh, aside and move on to better things. Indeed. And just like the other, it is 8 o'clock. Anthony Wright, thank you. As always, for a very, very good week of Israel reporting. Uh, we'll catch Anthony next week on a Monday. Wishing you, Anthony, a fantastic weekend and a Shabbat Shalom. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Dot com.